Hello, everyone, and welcome to Live Through Jesus with Courtney Gilmore. On this episode, God with us, inclusion, being self-righteous, and disputes. Numbers 10 and 12. Now, just as a quick side note, I'll be reading all the scripture references for you, so you're free to just sit back, listen, and absorb, or you can grab your Bible and read along. Most of the time, I'll be reading from the New King James Version, but if I switch, I'll let you know. There's generally a blog post for each one of these lessons on my website, livethroughjesus.com, and all of the past studies are done in writing and available to purchase there for under $5. Since I'm writing as I go along, the current study may not be there quite yet, but it definitely will be available to purchase once all of the episodes for it are complete. I'll try to let you know, but you can also just check the website periodically, maybe each week when a new blog post comes out. If you'd like for me to email you whenever a new blog post or a new study comes out, then email me at Courtney at LiveThroughJesus.com and I'll put you on the email list. Okay, so now that all of that's out of the way, let's get started on this week's lesson. On the last episode, we talked about the Nazarites and the priestly blessing. And if you happen to miss that episode, you might want to go back and listen to it because we talked about how not only did the Israelites belong to God, but we today belong to God too. We are his children. And so the things that he is saying to the Israelites can also apply to us. And that's how we wrapped up the God's Dwelling Place study. The episode before that, and maybe even the episode before that, we were going over all of the preparations that the Israelites were going through before they left Sinai and headed towards the promised land. So this study is going to be their journey towards the promised land. And so we're going to begin reading in Numbers 10, 11. And it says, Now it came to pass on the twentieth day of the second month in the second year that the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle of the testimony. And the children of Israel set out from the wilderness of Sinai on their journeys when the cloud settled down in the wilderness of Paran. So they started out for the first time according to the command of the Lord by the hand of Moses. And so what this is saying is that this is the second year after they left Egypt. And so it's been 13 months since their exodus from Egypt, and it's been 11 months that they have been in Sinai with God giving them the directions for building the tabernacle and the laws of the priests and then their preparation time for leaving Sinai. And if you feel like you're a little bit behind, you can go back and you can listen to the Exodus study or the beginning their journey with God study or the God's dwelling place study because those all started in Exodus. But the short of it is that they were slaves in Egypt and God brought them out of Egypt so that he could live amongst them. And so he told them to build him a house and then gave them laws and rules and instructions. And the priests were the ones that would serve him there. And now they're ready to begin their journey as a nation under God towards the land that the Lord has promised them. 
And in the previous study, God explained to them that when the cloud that was over them lifted and began to move, that was their sign to pack up and begin to move. And when the cloud settled, then that is when they were supposed to set up camp. So they all lived in tents and this house that God asked them to build for him was also a tent. It was a beautiful tent, but it was a tent. So here it's saying that the cloud has lifted and so they begin to pack up and they travel until the cloud settles down in the wilderness of Paran. Now it says that they went according to the command of the Lord. And again, a couple of episodes back and in the previous study, God gave them complete instruction as to how to travel and how to pack up the tabernacle. And so the first tribe that set out was the tribe of Judah. And he led the tribes of Issachar and Zebulun. Now, all of these tribes are descendants of the son of Jacob. And so Jacob had 12 sons and these are their descendants, Judah being one of them, leading the tribes of Issachar and Zebulun. So these were the ones that were marching out. Then Levi was also one of the sons of Jacob and his tribe was the priestly tribe. And Levi had three sons, Gershon, Merari, and Kohath. So the two sons of Gershon and Merari, they were the ones that were to pack up the tabernacle, the tent, the curtains, the pillars, the tent pegs, all of the things. And so they traveled behind those first three tribes of Israel with the tabernacle. Then the tribe of Reuben left, and he led the tribes of Simeon and Gad, and then in the middle, the Kohathites traveled with all of the holy things that belonged in the tabernacle and in the courtyard. And then the tribe of Ephraim went behind these sacred pieces and Ephraim led the tribes of Manasseh and Benjamin. And then at the end of the company of people, the tribe of Dan led Asher and Naphtali. And that's what these following verses, these verses 14 and following were stating is that they left as God had commanded them in that order. Now, it also says that when they stopped, the tribes of Gershon and Merari began to set up the tabernacle while the other tribes began to set up their tents in the way that the Lord had directed them. And then when Kohath got there with the holy things, the tabernacle was already set up and they just put those holy things in the tabernacle. So I've summarized those verses telling you the order and method that they traveled in. Now I want to read to you beginning in verse 33 of chapter 10 in Numbers. And it says, So they departed from the mountain of the Lord on a journey of three days. And the ark of the covenant of the Lord went before them for three days journey to set out a resting place for them. And the cloud of the Lord was above them by day when they went out from the camp. So it was whenever the ark set out that Moses said, Rise up, O Lord, let your enemies be scattered, and let those who hate you flee before you. And when it rested, he said, Return, O Lord, to the many thousands of Israel. And so the ark is where the Spirit of the Lord lived. And so each time that the cloud lifted and told the ark to move, Moses asked God's Spirit to move with them and protect them along the way. And then whenever the cloud stopped and they encamped, Moses asked that God's presence would stay with them there in the camp. And so 
the way that we can apply this to us today is that God wants to dwell in us as we walk on our own specific journeys. As we're traveling through this life, God wants to be with us. And in order for God to be with us, for us to be his people that he travels with, all we have to do is just place our trust in the sacrifice that Jesus made for our sins. And then God will send his spirit to live within us and to seal us being with him in eternity. And so I want to read you a couple of verses that just confirm that and talk about God's spirit being with us always. The first one is found in 1 John four thirteen to 15. And it says, By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he's given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son as the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So that says what I just told you. If you confess that Jesus is the son of God, you place your trust in him, then he is with you and you are with him. And it says that we know that he is with us because he's given us his spirit. So just as the spirit of God dwelt in the tabernacle there above the Ark of the Covenant, so God's spirit now is in us. So God can be with us all the time if we just confess Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And then the next verse is Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. I want you to see what happens whenever the Holy Spirit comes to live in us. It says, In Him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. So what that is saying is that when we believed and the Holy Spirit came to live in us, the Holy Spirit sealed us with a promise that we will inherit eternity with God. So once the Holy Spirit comes to live with us, He stays with us forever, for all eternity. He lives with us here on this earth, and then we live with him in eternity after our death. We are sealed with God's presence. So just as Moses was asking God to go before them and protect them from their enemies and then be with them in their encampment, it's the same with us today. The Holy Spirit is with us whether we are moving or whether we are stopping. No matter where we go, no matter what we do, He's with us. What a wonderful, wonderful gift that God has given us that not only will we spend eternity with Him, but He's with us right now. This prayer that Moses prayed for the Israelites, God is still fulfilling today in each one of us. Now, we also skipped several verses in the middle, and so I want to go back to those now because there was a little side note in the middle of their travels. And this is beginning in verse 29. It says, Now Moses said to Hobab, the son of Raul, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law, We are setting out for the place of which the Lord said, I will give it to you. Come with us, and we will treat you well. For the Lord has promised good things to Israel. 
And he said to him, I will not go, but I will depart to my own land and to my own relatives. But Moses said, Please don't leave. Inasmuch as you know how we are to camp in the wilderness, and you can be our eyes. And it shall be, if you go with us, indeed it shall be, that whatever good the Lord does to us, the same will be done to you. And so evidently, Moses' brother-in-law, Hobab, had been staying with them in Sinai for much of the time that they'd been there. And Moses wanted him to continue to travel with them. And so he asked him, and Hobab said, no, I'm just going to go back to my own land. And Moses said, no, it'll benefit both of us if you come with us, because you know the land better than we do. I'm the only one that has spent any time outside of Egypt. Every one of the rest of these people has lived their entire lives in Egypt. You know the land. You can help keep watch for us so that we're protected from the people that are living here. And also it will benefit you because God has promised blessings on us. And if you stay with us, then you also will receive that same goodness that God has promised to us. And so I want us to take special note of that because sometimes it's difficult for us that God just chose these people out of all the people of the earth. And he's like, these are my people and I'll be their God and they're my people and the rest of you forget you. That's what it looks like to us sometimes, but that's not how it is. God is not being exclusive by choosing Israel. We've talked about this before, but it's important each study for us to remind ourselves that God is not being exclusive. He chose Israel so that he could show his goodness through them and that others would see what he was doing through the Israelites and they would want that too. That was his purpose, to draw everyone in the world to him, for them to all see his power and his love through them, and that they would want to know this God that Israel had. And if they wanted to know this God, then they were free to join in the Israelites. The only stipulation was that if they were going to be a part of the Israelites and receive the goodness that the Israelites received from the Lord, they also had to obey the Lord just the same way that the Israelites did, adopt their beliefs and their practices, and then he would be their God too, just the same as he was the Israelites. And so this is the same thing for us today. God chose the Jews. The Israelites were the Jewish people and God chose them as his people. But when Jesus came, the Jews rejected him. They did not believe that he was the son of God because they had in their mind that the son of God was going to come as this glorious king and rescue them from the oppression of the government that they were under and all these different things. And so they did not accept Jesus as the savior that God had promised. And since they didn't accept him, God said, not only is Jesus the savior of the Jews, but he is the savior of the Gentiles also, which the Gentiles were just all of the rest of the people. And so God said, I'm not being exclusive with Jesus either. The salvation of Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus can belong to anyone that chooses to believe in him, to see his goodness, to see his power and adopt the beliefs that I gave first to the Jews and those practices. And he will be their savior too. 
Listen to what it says in John 1, 11 through 13. This is talking about Jesus. And it says, He came to his own, but his own did not receive him. But as many as do receive him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So that explains that concept I was just telling you, that we now can become his children also. We can be adopted into his family. He is not exclusionary just to the Jews, but to all of the people that choose to believe in Jesus. And then through us, just as the same as through the Israelites, through us, we are supposed to show the world the goodness of God so that when we are his chosen people now, then we advertise him to the whole world just as the Israelites did. And then they are drawn to him through us and they choose also to become children of his. And so I want to read you what it says in Matthew five fourteen to 16. It says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill can't be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So that's what the Israelites were supposed to do. And that's what we as his children today are supposed to do. Let our light so shine before men that people see God in us and they glorify him. They choose him. They are drawn to him because they see something in us, in Christians, that they don't have, that this world does not offer them. There's an emptiness in every single person, something that everybody is searching for. And when they see that thing in us, they're like, that's what I've been searching for. Those people have something that I do not have. They have a hope when there is no hope. They have a kindness for others when they should not. They have a peace when there is no reason for them to have peace. Whatever that may be, they look at us and they say, what is it that you have? How do you do that? I want that. And you get to tell them it's because of God. It's because of Jesus. It is because I accepted Jesus and now I have the presence of God through the Holy Spirit living in me and he gives me peace. He gives me kindness. He gives me love for others. He gives me hope. I place all of my trust in him, not in this world. And that is the reason that I can have those things because you don't have those things because you're placing your hope and your faith and your trust in the things of this world. And those things are always, always, always going to let you down. But Jesus never does. We get to tell other people that when we present him to them, And so we have to live our lives in such a way that reflects the Lord to them. That's what the light does, right? It reflects, it reveals. And so we are reflecting the goodness, the love, the mercy, the grace, the compassion, the patience, all of the characteristics of God. We are reflecting those to the world. And when they see those things and they ask where they came from, we get to tell them it's him. So accept Jesus as your Savior so that the Holy Spirit can come and dwell in you 
and you can have the presence of the Lord with you at all times and he can be reflected to the world. Make sure that you do reflect him to the world so that they will be drawn to him and he will be able to be their God too. All of the things that the Israelites experienced in that respect also pertains to us. Okay, now we're going to skip chapter 11 because it has a lot, a lot of information in it. And we're going to go to chapter 12. Keep in mind that chapter 12 happens after chapter 11, but we will discuss only the first portion of chapter 11 next week because there is so much packed into chapter 11, so many lessons that we can gather from it. So we're going to move to chapter 12 and I'm going to read the entire chapter of chapter 12. This is kind of a funny encounter between Moses and his siblings. So this is chapter 12, verse 1, and it says, Then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. So they said, Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very humble, more than all the men who were on the face of the earth. And suddenly the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, Come out, you three, to the tabernacle of meeting. So the three came out, and then the Lord came down in the pillar of cloud and stood at the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam. And they both went forward, and he said, Hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face, even plainly, and not in dark sayings. And he sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? So the anger of the Lord was aroused against him, and he departed. And when the cloud departed from above the tabernacle, suddenly Miriam became leprous, as white as snow. Then Aaron turned towards Miriam, there she was, a leper. So Aaron said to Moses, O oh my Lord, please do not lay this sin on us in which we have done foolishly, in which we have sinned. Please do not let her be as one dead, whose flesh is half consumed when he comes out of his mother's womb. So Moses cried out to the Lord and said, Please heal her, O God, I pray. Then the Lord said to Moses, If her father had spit in her face, would she have not been shamed for seven days? Let her be shut out of the camp seven days, and afterwards she may be received again. So Miriam was shut out of the camp seven days, and the people didn't journey till Miriam was brought in again. So let's go to the very first part of this chapter. Miriam and Aaron are Moses' older brother and sister, and they're speaking against this Ethiopian woman that Moses has married. Now, this could be Zipporah, who we knew about in the beginning, who had his two sons. But it would be odd for it to be Zipporah that they're talking about because it says, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. I mean, they've been with Zipporah and known about her since Moses came to Egypt a few years ago. So it almost seems as though Zipporah has died and he's married another woman we can't be certain on that because it just doesn't give a lot of information. But either way, the reason probably that they were talking about this Ethiopian woman is because the people that settled in Ethiopia were the descendants of Cush. And Cush was a descendant of Ham. And Ham was the cursed grandson of Noah. Now, 
you'd have to go back several studies into one of the studies in Genesis to get all of the information about this. But Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And Ham saw his father Noah drunk naked in his tent and was making fun of him to his brothers. So Noah cursed him for that. And in essence, his whole family was cursed. And so this woman would have been from that family. And so maybe they were speaking against him marrying her because he married someone from a family that was cursed. But regardless of why they did it, God quickly stepped in and explained that it was not their place to rebuke Moses. It says, first of all, that Moses was very humble. And so it seems that God stepped in because Moses was not going to stand up for himself. And so God stepped in. It's kind of a funny encounter because it's like these three kids fighting amongst themselves and the dad being like, hey, all y'all come here right now. And then he addresses the two that are the problem. And when he talks to Aaron and Miriam, he says, listen, because Miriam said, you know, doesn't God speak through us too? Why is Moses so special? That's basically what she's saying. And God says, no, Moses is special. He said, you know, most of the people that I speak through, I talk to in visions and dreams. But with Moses, I talk to him face to face. I speak plainly to him. He has even seen my form. There's an instance on the mountain where Moses asked to see God and God says, you can't see my face, but I will pass by you and hide you in the cleft of the rock. And when I pass by, you will see my glory. You will see the form of me from behind. And so Moses is special. And so that's what God is telling them. He's like, hey, he is my beloved. I speak to him face to face. I do talk to you guys, but not like I talk to Moses. He's like, how do you even have the nerve to talk about Moses in this way, knowing that I speak to him in a different way, that he is my beloved? He is so special to God, unlike anyone on the face of the earth at the time. And so God is explaining that to them. Basically, if I talk to Moses this intimately, then I can rebuke Moses if I need to. I don't need you to be reprimanding him. You deal with your own stuff. I don't know if y'all have ever done this with your own kids, but I've done this with my kids. Said, you know, hey, I'm standing right here. I'm their mom. And it's not your place to get onto your brother or your sister. That's my job. So it's as if God is telling them the same thing. I'm his father. I talk to him all the time. If he needs rebuking, I'll do it myself. You guys take care of your own business. You have no place to talk bad about Moses. And so one thing that we need to think about in this respect is, do we ever get self-righteous like Miriam and think too highly of ourselves and maybe speak against one of God's beloved? I've also told my children whenever they seem to think that they can call me out on any sort of thing, tell me that they think that I need to be doing different. I'm like, mm -mm, no, not your place to tell your mom or your dad how you think they should be acting. If you have an issue and you think that we need to be told to do differently, then take that up with God. Go to God in prayer and say, I'm really bothered by this, whatever mom's doing right now. And God, will you speak to her and tell her? Because that's their place. And so I think that it's the same thing for us. Not that we should never go to a brother or sister and talk with them, but that we should maybe go to God first 
and also make sure that we're speaking with kindness whenever we go and talk to a brother or sister, because that is God's beloved. And so if we're looking at ourselves, it goes to the verse about taking the plank out of our eye before we take the speck out of our brother's eye. And so if we are going to go to a brother or sister and rebuke them, then we need to make sure that our own lives are clean and not get too self-righteous and think too highly of ourselves and think, oh, I'm good. And why are they special? So we need to be careful of acting like Miriam. I continue to say Miriam because I think she is the one that instigated this whole thing because she's the one that gets the punishment. And Aaron was probably just going along as Aaron seemed to generally do. So I think that she's the one that instigated this. And God made her leprous. Immediately, Aaron repents and goes to Moses and asks for forgiveness and mercy. And Moses in his love for his family and with his grace that God has given to him, he immediately forgives them and goes to God in prayer and asks for mercy on their behalf. And God does grant mercy, but not after a period of punishment. And by him comparing what she did to someone spitting in her face, It seems as if God is trying to say, you know, what she did was shameful. She doesn't get to get off scot-free. She's going to have a little bit of a punishment. She would be unclean and set out of the camp if someone had spit in her face. She can be unclean and set out of the camp for doing this shameful thing against her brother. And so God did give her those consequences of leprosy for those seven days. And then she was healed and brought back into the camp. And so the next question again for us would be, do we have enough love and grace for others when they speak against us to pray for them, to love them and to be kind, to be able to forgive them and not want bad things for them? Listen to what it says in Romans twelve nine to 21. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those that persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So this gives us several lessons about if we are on the receiving end of it, or if we are the one doling this out. And so it says, be kindly affectionate to each other. Give preference to the other person. Be patient. 
all of us are supposed to treat each other in that way. And then bless the people that persecute you. Let God have vengeance on them. That's what happened here. God took vengeance on Miriam. Moses was humble. He sat back and he let God do the punishing. And so it says, if someone is your enemy and he's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. Treat him with love and kindness. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with other people. Do not repay evil for evil, but overcome evil with good. Be so good to those people that they feel guilty and they decide to be kind to you. And then on the side of Miriam, don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't sit here and think that you're better than other people. Don't set your mind on high things. Associate with humble people so that you also will be humble. So this gives lesson to both of us. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to, like Miriam did. And then like Moses, forgive, be merciful, be gracious, give God ability to take vengeance, and you do not do that. Instead, you pray for your enemies. You bless them, love them, and win them over with the goodness of the Lord and not with vengeance and anger. So we're going to stop there and we'll start in chapter 11 next week. The lessons that we need to take away from this today are, again, accepting Jesus as our Savior so that the Holy Spirit, God's presence will be with us forever, that we may reflect his goodness to others and draw them to him so that he can be our God and he can be their God. And then also not thinking of ourselves too highly going to God for the truth about us and about others, praying for our enemies, forgiving them, loving them, being kind to them, letting God take care of them if there's something to take care of. So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode. It has a lot of self-application for us. And so make sure that you listen to that one. Also, if you will, give me a five-star review that helps spread the word about this podcast and leave me comments wherever you're listening. You can also email me at Courtney at LiveThroughJesus.com. Thanks and have a good day.